0: Welcome back to filmcraft. Yay Latif, what are we talking about this week?
1: How you create a character in a story, I guess and I guess some of the rules that people have and the archetypes and how sometimes I guess they're not really helpful and how they can be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. and I think you know that's that's something that people. I know I struggled with when I first started writing and part of it is just experience. But I think a lot of the time, like these rules and everything you're saying, they, they really just guide you towards more generic characters than anything. Um, So right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking to go down a rabbit hole of how to make your character feel real and full and complete, like what are some of your go-to's?
1: Well, I think that's part of my argument. I like, a, I don't necessarily think, like I, I think like that's always a virtue that people try to reach—is for something to feel like real and authentic, you know. But I'd argue there's some fun characters that could be completely one-sided and not three-dimensional, um, mm-hmm. and that's sometimes good for a story. Uh, so largely, everyone is always focused on making like people that seem real and have flaws and stuff like that but sometimes it's not always uh useful to a story so i think the first thing is to ask yourself what's important to your story do you need it to be that way or is that just like some sort of virtue that you've held high in your head because everyone says it is
0: very very good point so the, the first thing that comes to my mind for that is i think there's two kinds of people there's people that will write from a and this is like the inception of your script, the very first idea, we'll write from a space of, I have an idea for a cool character. Let's expand on that. Or I have an idea for a cool story. Let's expand on that. In your experience, what have you done one more than the other? Or what's your writing been like?
1: I'm usually thinking of a character, but it's, it's not like exclusive to that. Cause it's always combined with like, you know, the situation that they're surrounded. And so it's a mixture of, like, the character as well as, like, the, the world of the story. Um, so it's never just, like, I have this interest. I don't think anyone works this way. I have, like, an interesting character, and I'm going to create a world through that. I think it's a kind of unrealistic way to make anything. Because, like, as soon as you think of a character, it's going to be in some way related to some social context, you know, the time it takes place or the world that it's in, you know, the region that it's in. Um, and if it's not even grounded in the in reality, it could be like, you know, the planet that it's on or the, the kingdom that it's in. If you like those lame stories.
0: <laughs> so just based off that, like, it sounds like the, the story and the character come almost simultaneously to you, at least like the, the main character.
1: Because you can't think of a character without some context. I think it's impossible. No one starts with like a, you know, piece of putty and then they mold it in their head and then this world forms out of it. Like there's always some sort of social context put to it.
0: I've talked to some writers where they have said that, like, you know, oh, I just had this idea for a character and I started writing. And I'm pretty much in the same boat as you where I'm like, that almost makes so little sense to me that I can't, really digest it because like you said as soon as, if I was to think of a character, any character the first thing that like not even informs me just you kind of, or I get this mental image of like okay well this is the type of character it's going to need a or it feels like it has this kind of world associated with it maybe these are the things that impact character in this way, it's never just like here is a character, let's start writing, and You know, maybe there are writers that can write strictly based off of this is a cool character idea and expand on it and make something awesome. But every time I've read a script where it's like, I had a really good idea for a character, the script definitely felt like it needed more drafts, which isn't a bad thing. You know, every script always does need more drafts until it's done. Um, But how do you go from your experience? How do you go from having this rough idea of a character and kind of being able to see the world they live in to fleshing it out
1: I I mean I think that's kind of where the creativity aspect comes into it Um, because I don't like do like a heavy level of planning once I have like a basic basic idea of what I want it's just kind of like letting your mind wander like I'll think of things that seem interesting to me or there'll be like a a thing that I've been thinking about that I want to explore through a character. Maybe it's about like, um, being deceitful or like lying to people. And I want to include that into this character, even though this character might not seem like that's what they're about. I'll just have that thing that I'm interested in attach it to this person. I think that kind of randomness makes it a little unpredictable, which I like. Um, And I think the, what might be helpful is what I don't do, which is I don't go to archetypes. Um, and I don't have like a list of things or anything that make like strong characters. And I think people do sometimes do things like that, which might actually be to the detriment of like a good character because you're still following some sort of a system based on other people's ideas. Um, And, you know, that's the the interesting thing about, like, people, like, across 7 billion people, across the whole population, there would be similarities, but no one person is ever the same. Um, And people can change wildly over every personality trait and over every, you know, um, position they have on any certain thing, so to kind of challenge that and do things that you wouldn't expect is the most interesting thing.
0: I'm the same way where like, I read all these ideas of like, well, to really know your character, um, do an exercise, take them out to dinner, ask them questions, see how they reply to you. And I remember I tried that once and it didn't do anything for me because every answer that I came up with, I kind of already knew. And I, I suspect it might be a bit strange in this regard, but to me, like, the characters and who they are, it's really more of, like, a feeling that I just kind of know when I understand them, at least to a degree where I can start writing them. I'll very often find out more about the character as I write through their situations and everything, but that, yeah, that whole kind of screenwriting textbook version of like, base your character off archetypes, take them to dinner, try these exercises. None of that's really ever worked for me. Uh, You said you you don't do the archetypes, but do you do any of those other exercises? Do you think they hold any water for you?
1: No, I mean, like, the one thing I do here a lot is like, you know, to give your character some, like, flaws and stuff to make them seem more real that seems like you know it seems like a truism like you know what person doesn't have flaws anyways like what what are we like (laughs) are people like that dumb or something like everyone has (laughs) some like issues that they have to deal with that just seems like common sense um you know so to make that like this like crucial point of building character seems like redundant um because it's just human nature um To me, the more interesting question would be, like, how does that thing affect their lives in a significant way? And often that leads to, I think, the more interesting questions. I mean, you know, for example, you could do the complete opposite of that. You could make a character who is completely, like, flawless. Like, they have no issues. Like, they're good in every way. They're altruistic. They're forgiving. They're just, like, unusually kind. Um, they don't judge anyone, and all these sorts of things. But, in, you know, in the end, that itself could be some huge flaw because it keeps them from doing something crucial in their life that requires some sort of um, aggression or some sort of dominance or some sort of competitiveness. The virtue would be to actually have slightly a less sociably appropriate um, attitude that allows you to do some good. Um, and and that might be an interesting thing to explore and and show in a story. So it's not necessarily, there's some great flaw that we have to use. And it's like this pinnacle of why the, the character must like fail and then learn from it or something like, it's such a kind of typical way to approach something, but I think you can do something more if you think, think about it in, a in a way that's specific to the story you're trying to tell
0: yeah yeah definitely. And this is actually coming up. I'm working with someone right now, and we're going through script revisions the and the most recent one they've told me like you know I kind of feel like I've been through this so many times that i'm also that I'm almost losing sight of what this is and you know what the characters are and everything and it brought me to a buddy of mine is he's starting up D and D for the first time. Like he's going to be a dungeon master. He's creating his own campaign. And obviously he knows that, you know, I'm a writer and I make movies. So he's like, Hey, you know, I've never really written a story. Um, What would you recommend? So I gave him like, here are some good podcasts and stuff like that, script notes, and of course, film craft. But then I was like, honestly, the biggest thing that pops up to me and what I tell other writers to focus on and what I always focus on too, especially if I'm lost, is like, what am I trying to say with this? Because I think if you know what you're trying to say, then you roughly have an idea of what that world is that can contain or... Really, how is the message that you're trying to say? And then when you go down even further from that, you know pretty well what the characters are that can relay the message you're trying to go for. So when writers get lost and like, you know, I don't really know what I'm trying to do with this anymore, I would just say, go back. Like, say, you know, what was I trying to do with this? What was the goal? And odds are, I'd say that that's probably where you're lost most and you just start shooting in the dark. So... I think if you have just that general feeling of here's the rough, you know, what I want to say or message or whatever you want to call that, then you'll have a good idea of the world and a pretty good idea of the characters. And from that, you basically have the foundation of your house and you could start building from there. Um, and I know you have a very, just, uh, it's the word I'm looking for here, intuitive way of doing things. Like you kind of feel something out and you just start going. But I would imagine that what you want to say with it is one of the first things that you really learn about what you're writing. Is that correct?
1: Can you reword that? I don't think I completely understand the question.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Like um, when you're writing, do you have an overarching like message you want to, the audience to come away with or just something you'd like to say with the movie. And is that where you build from or do you discover that later?
1: That, that usually comes later for me. Um, really? I th- yeah. I think if I start with a place of like trying to have a theme or like a message that I'm trying to get across, the, f- the film becomes very like generic. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, like I'm writing a short film right now that I don't really know what it's about, but there's just like some things that I want to film and ideas that I like. And as I'm writing, I'm trying, I'm kind of formulating what, what it's about, but it's never really concrete. And, you know, with that long script I wrote, like I don't really know what it was about when I was writing it. And then over the, the course of like getting to the end, it started to become something and I started to see it from like a, a wider point of view like oh i think this film is about these things and now that i've like left it alone for several months like i have an even better understanding of what that film was about and i could see like i wrote some scenes that i liked but i don't really know what they meant and then now sitting and thinking about them they kind of create a meaning afterwards that i'm uh, seeing long after writing so i uh, uh, th- that kind of feels consistent with how I've done things.
0: That's that's super interesting, man. So I got asked, two questions come to mind immediately. Like, one, um, at what point usually in the story do you start realizing what it's about? Like, if you could put a percentage to it, like you're 70% the way through and it kind of reveals itself. And two, like, how much does that influence rewriting when you go back? Because you theoretically, like, you've written your first draft and you now know, like, hey, this is kind of telling me it's about X. So how much does that impact the second draft?
1: Mm, I usually realize it late into the process. So usually around, like, the the end of, like, a draft. So I have, like, a complete document, and that's when I kind of have an idea what the film is about. And even then, it's not really concrete. And then on the on the second draft, I'll start to, like, get rid of stuff that doesn't really makes sense or feel like it's important to the i guess overall feeling of what i'm trying to get across so it has that kind of it it doesn't add more usually it just helps me get rid of things that i don't need Um, yeah i was gonna
0: ask like once you get to that point when you're you know this is about x how much of the script do you start carving away at that point like do you look at it and say okay, you know, 40% of this isn't really about that, so let's just take all that and trash it, or what?
1: No, it's never that much. It's usually just, like, parts of scenes, or maybe, like, you know, half a scene will get removed. Maybe I'll end it sooner, or maybe I'll just change what the the conversation is about or something in, in some parts of it. um, Yeah, it's not drastic, though. It's always, like looking at certain points of it because mostly it will be pretty consistent with like what I like and that's kind of usually my biggest filter is just making sure that I like what I'm seeing but it'll never be like a huge overhaul based on like the, the proposed theme I have in my head or something like that.
0: Man, that's crazy. Like I think I write in in an intuitive fashion, but what you're saying to me almost comes off as like clairvoyant. <laughs> like that's that's impressive, man.
1: Uh, well, I don't think about it. Like I never came into the writing process like this is how I'm going to work. It's just like it, it's just how it happens, I guess. Um, and I, you know, and I think that's the ver the one virtue, I guess of not following any methodology when it comes to writing like i don't have any way of writing that mimics another writer that i know of like i'm not doing it consciously um you know i've tried things and i've abandoned things that i don't care for like i don't do a lot of like dedicated um what would you call it outlining that's never really been a huge part of my process so
0: yeah, So two questions that I got asked, and I love talking to you about outlining because like I've had a very roller rollercoasterly rollercoastery relationship with outlining myself. But the two questions come to my mind are, since you're not like, you don't even really know what it's about when you're writing your first thing, instead of focusing on that overall message, because you know, it's still revealing itself to you. Do you ever focus on tone? Or is that more of an intuitive thing as well?
1: The tone is pretty clear to me like ahead of time like i know i know if this is going to be like joke heavy or darker or you know very somber and kind of quiet and empty like that that's clear to me before i write that's kind of one of them in terms of like anything that's not um finite that's probably the one thing that is clear to me in the beginning is to know the tone of of the world i don't try you know if i'm writing something a little darker i try not to like lace it with too many jokes um um whereas if i'm doing something that's more of a comedy then to me i just let that go and i'll i'll write whatever could possibly be funny to me because i just you know know that's what i'm going for so that that's pretty clear when i start. But you know, that does inform yeah. character quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And like it, that feels very intuitive to me as well. I remember the second script I wrote was the only thing that I would ever say I've ever written that's tonally confused. Other than that, um, tone, I guess I should say, thankfully, seems to come fairly naturally to me. But I do think it's worth talking about that one script that is tonally confused because I remember writing it and the first, like call it 60 pages felt very much kind of almost like what we don't say in the sense of it was very real it was about characters in the real world like getting to know each other and you know rubbing off on each other and kind of changing a little bit right but then at the end there was like a triple murder and the cops got involved (laughs) and I i remember reading it after i'd finished and it was like this what is going on? Why Why would I do that? Because this really feels like two entirely different scripts and it doesn't work whatsoever. But to this day, like, I've thought about that a decent amount and I almost kind of think like I had to write that script and I had to write something that was so tonally confused to learn the lesson of that's something that I never want again. And thankfully, it's something I've never had to deal with. I've never finished or even gotten partway through a script and said, this feels off. It feels like it's changing. I think if you ever are in that, in that, and it's not done in a way where it's intentional and clever and works, then you really need to stand back and evaluate what you're doing. Cause you probably have some massive problems on your hand. Um, but yeah. I, I couldn't agree more like tone to me is at this point, and I don't say that, you know, from like an egotistical way. It just literally how it comes to me is a gut feeling more than anything.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if this is true, but I feel like tone is something that stays pretty consistent over the life of a filmmaker. Um, There aren't many filmmakers that I think of who, you know, vary wildly in tone. I mean, you think, think of like a handful of filmmakers, and tonally all their films are really close to each other even if they might be different genres they kind of feel like they um live in like a certain world and i guess like I'm, I'm extrapolating here but i almost feel like tone the tone of the film is very closely tied to the personality of the person making it in a weird way um yeah it might capture different aspects of that person but there's like To me, that feels like a close link to tone and and personality of the creator in a weird way. Um, You know, by example, you think of like Paul Thomas Anderson, who's made a lot of films with different, I guess, genres and stuff, but I think of the tone of all his movies and they feel very close to this writer's personality, Um, but they also feel consistent across all his movies, even the ones that feel different.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I'd be curious to run this by you too. One thought that I've had for quite a few years is like, I think if you look at, at like your own life or just an individual's real life and like not a movie whatsoever, I think life's interesting because it can take a bunch of different tones. Like, you know, I feel like my life has had a pretty gradual tone, but then there's times where something horrible happens and suddenly my life has a different tone for a little while. Then there's times where something horrific happens and it almost feels like a horror movie for a little bit. And then there's times where like, you know, I'll get super ripped on acid and then it feels like a different tone, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think that's one of the things that makes life so interesting. You know, I love that about life, but I've thought, how do you capture that in a movie? And honestly, I don't know if it can be done. It's something that I would love to try to do, but my gut feeling and the more I think about it is through, like if you're talking about a feature, I really don't think it can be done because you're just, you have such a finite amount of time. And then if it was a TV series where you had a couple seasons, I'm like, maybe it could be done. But even then, like such rapid and frequent deviations in tone like I think it would really throw an audience for a loop. Do you think that's something that could be done in a way that works?
1: Mm. Well, I mean that I guess that kind of supports my like unresearched theory about tone and personality. Like largely a person's personality stays very consistent over their lifetime. It doesn't change very much. And I think in terms of a story, that would be the same as well. If you change the tone of something, it wouldn't be reflective of the worldview of the person making it, because largely that would still that would stay the same over that person's lifetime. So it'd almost be like two people who view the world very differently putting both their ideas into a film. Um, and I think one thing that I've found consistent even over collaborators is they might have different values or whatever but in a big way they they have a similar worldview. you know it'd be very difficult to get someone with a very different worldview than you to want to make a film with you um there's got to be something that you share and a lot of it will be um in bigger categories that are the same and you might disagree on smaller things but i think that's maybe one of the reasons why it wouldn't work and when when people are when I'm speaking of tone, I'm thinking I'm thinking about like a general world view um, and mm-hmm. a kind of perspective, and I'm not thinking of dark, light, funny, dramatic. To me, that's not what I'm thinking of tone. Um, I'm thinking of kind of like a, a a world view and and kind of feeling um, that persists throughout any situation. So whether it's dark or funny, a person with like a, say, more pessimistic worldview can still experience dark and funny things or happy things, but their worldview is going to be consistent across all of them. Or someone who's overly optimistic is going to have a different worldview with dark, funny, and very happy things. So that's kind of what what I'm talking about. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it absolutely makes total sense. I think that's another interesting thing, too, because it almost, to me, speaks to, like, I can say tone, and I know what it means. The next guy can say tone, and they know what it means, and so forth, so on and so forth, right? But, like, even something as concrete as tone, where you could say, like, do you know what that is? Yeah, of course. But your idea of tone might be different than the next guy's idea of tone, so... I don't know. I think that's pretty cool, and if anything, adds more flavor to what the media we consume.
1: Yeah, I I think so. I mean, we're taking a word that has a completely different definition and use from from uh, you know uh, music and sound, and applying it to story. So it's gonna be all over the place in terms of like what it means to each person. But That's kind of how I use it, I guess.
0: Yep. Yep. Totally fair. And I think that's really awesome. Um, so let's backpedal a little bit here. Um, before we started recording this episode, we had talked about you and I both get Instagram posts recommended to us that are screenwriting tips and whatnot, and we both don't really care for them. Um, so I think, I think it's just as valuable to people to... Here, like things that you probably shouldn't do in terms of taking tips <laughs> as you know definitely do this what are some of the things that just drive you nuts about those kinds of things
1: um i think like some of the things that bother me especially are like when they take a specific movie as an example they pull a character from it and they talk about why it was a great character But you could take that character and apply it to a different story or a different movie and it would be like an awful character in that version of it Um, and it and it's very you know like it's very difficult to use that practically because again like we're all gonna have wildly different points of view with any situation Um, and I think we have to come to those conclusions ourselves um, you know what is a filmmaker doing? like what's the purpose of the, of an artist? Um, if it's not to show your view on the world and your perspective on life, I know that sounds really grand, but I mean, what are we really doing anyways, We're trying to like interpret how we see the world, I guess. And if you're like learning from like other people's points of view and like stealing a little bit of this and that from other movies, um, which everyone does anyways, but if that's the fundamental bedrock of your uh, formulation of characters, then it's flawed. Um, because we're not really seeing how you feel about anything. <clears throat> and I think that's the most important thing, is for you to formulate intelligent and concise uh, characters based on what you think. And it's kind of like a thing that you have to grow. And it has to get stronger as you make more stuff Uh, because that's how you become a strong artist. Not by like just taking this from this guy and this from this other guy and putting it together and making a character. Um, That that doesn't seem like a great way to do it to me.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think it's interesting. Like I, I totally agree and it's something that I don't really at least consciously do anymore but I think that it's always beneficial to younger writers to like blatantly I want to say rip off their heroes and just try it out you know because I think through if you do that you'll be like okay you know I wrote this thing or I shot this thing and you'll realize what you like and what you don't like and then you'll probably say okay let's try something else and you'll go rip off someone else and you'll just slowly start taking pieces of the things that you like and the things that speak to you that you've borrowed from other people and eventually once you mash it all together it kind of becomes in a sense like who you are and you'll learn to say okay I don't really need to go rip these people off at least consciously anymore I can kind of just start writing from a place of myself and my original ideas and that's you know I think that's a pretty valid way to just start going, you
1: know, yeah, I mean, it could be a useful way to start, but I you know i I'd caution that um, some people can get stuck in that kind of always looking at yeah. o- other movies to like formulate ideas or or figure out what characters are, um, yeah, I totally agree, yeah, and sometimes it's good to just start from nowhere. Uh, I mean, there's there's really no nowhere. It's always going to have some sort of reference, but sometimes it's just good to have like as as little like outside reference and for you to really think about what you want to do. It's harder now, but uh, because there's so many references and there's there's so many things to draw from, but I think it's a good exercise to just kind of sit by yourself and think about Mm -hmm what you want to portray, what you want to get out there.
0: So when you started um, writing, did you find that you borrowed from the artists you love, whether consciously or subconsciously, or were you just like, fuck it, I'm going to start writing some shit.
1: I don't know. I think it's definitely a mix of like, I would, I would really want to have the kind of feeling of like people I admired you know, other filmmakers, but, um, often you'd find that whatever you would make that way didn't feel, uh, correct. I mean, it would be like this hypothetical, like, imagine the person that you admired read this thing you wrote. Would they be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Your point of view is so fresh. Or would they be like, hey, you're just ripping me off. (laughs) Um, And if it's the, you're just ripping me off, then you're probably not really asking yourself what, you know, what the real story you're trying to get across is. It's just kind of always like a version of something you've seen. Um, And it takes some time for you to get to that point where you can actually tell a story that has some connection to your personal experience in life. Um, I think early on that was the case, but gladly... You know, I I was able to get past that and and I never really made any films that were like kind of knockoffs of other things I liked, yet.
0: (laughs) Yet, keyword. So I'm curious what your take on this is. How long did it take you to start making, call it either stories or characters or both, where you felt like, okay, this is good. I'm tapping into something that feels relatively me this is something that i've been kind of pondering lately and honestly like i think it took me a good amount of time like even when we did party stories i think there was parts of who i am in like that tone you're talking about of the filmmaker that are in there but and i've been very vocal about this before that was you know me trying to make like a richard (laughs) linklatery movie you know and then and then later, like in what we don't say, there's a lot more of what I would consider me. Um, but since what we don't say, every script I've written feels like, and you know, I've been vocal about this too. Even what we don't say does feel quite li- Richard linklater not nearly as much as Party Stories, but since then, like, I feel like I've really been able to say, you know, here's the kind of things I write and I feel more comfortable, whether it be in the story and in the characters, um, how long did it take you to get to that point?
1: Uh, I made this film, you know, I think maybe in 2016, 2017. I can't remember the exact year, but it was this little one-minute film. Um, and it, it came just from something I was thinking about my own life and kind of, I guess, going through and, and contemplating. And I made that film based off of that, you know, moment in my life. And I felt very, uh, um, personal, I guess. And that was, I guess, the first film that I made that really felt like it, it, it was like through my own lens. Um, and that felt like how I kind of saw the world. And I think, like, when I showed it to um, people that have known, um, like, other filmmakers, they all agree that it felt very kind of unique to myself. It didn't feel like I was trying to, like, copy another filmmaker's style or whatever. And, uh, you know, I have to agree with that it did feel that way. And I think even the way I made the film felt that way. It was very, like, unattached to any sort of system. I just went and made it. Um, So I guess it, it probably took me about a four or five years until I got to that point. Man. Yeah.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that too. Like the, the time it takes to get there is, is a necessary thing. And that's one thing that like, I keep reminding myself of, um, lately it's like, you know, everyone works at their own pace. Sure. Maybe you'll be a, a Christopher Nolan and he'll go make his first thing and it's totally unique or whatever. And even then I, I'm not saying that is the way with Christopher Nolan. I'm sure it wasn't. Um, so yeah, going back to character and how you make characters that felt like authentic to you, what, you know, authentic, even being a, an interpretive <laughs> definition. How do you feel writing and creating those characters after that moment of like, okay, this really feels like now I'm making things that are very me comparative to beforehand. Like how has the experience of making characters changed?
1: I guess it's kind of like finding a form of, comfort when you're writing. Uh, I think beforehand you're always kind of judging everything you do and being like does this feel like real or does this feel correct and all that but once you kind of let go of that and you start writing from a more um, personal place that reflects your own experience it starts to feel more um, understandable even if it doesn't necessarily seem realistic. There's always some I guess, way to justify an action that your character uh, participates in. But, yeah, I, you know, it gives you, it gives you a little more confidence. Um, but, uh, for example, if I had to, like, write a movie about a serial killer from the perspective of a serial killer, I think I'd have a hard time doing that. That might be one of the flaws of, of writing the way I do maybe um, it's difficult to assume like a, a point of view that you have no experience with um, I think that would be true for anyone like trying to write from the perspective of a serial killer wouldn't be easy but that's probably you know another part of writing that I might have to spend more time learning and doing but I think that's probably the reasons why I tend to make more personal films that are related to things that I kind of understand as opposed to making like really you know how would I put it heightened movies with like intense characters like an action hero or something which I don't necessarily connect with
0: I think when you talk about comfortability that's one thing that really comes off to me as well like when I really look at the characters I'm writing now versus when I started, it definitely is that feeling of like I'm comfortable with these things and I have more confidence in them. And one thing that, or probably the biggest thing that led there is just honestly getting all the crap out of my system, <laughs> you know, like writing bad characters, writing bad stories, failing repeatedly. And, you know, sure, there's times where I'll write a draft now and I'll be like, you know, this character usually a side character isn't perfect. I think I've got some work to go do on this character but overall like it's not bad where you know, the first couple movies I wrote I would read the draft and there'd be some stuff where I'm like yeah, I really like this but then there'd be some characters where it was undeniably like this is a bad character. Everything about this character doesn't work and just it's a matter of trying things and You know, don't be afraid to write bad stuff because as soon as you write bad stuff, you can delete it and start writing better stuff. And then eventually, hopefully it gets better to the point where it's good.
1: Mm -hmm. And, you know, largely we've been talking about like the, the lead character in your movie, but it doesn't have to be just with that. I mean, with all the side characters, but also even, you know. Someone who's just like a part of a scene, maybe like a waiter or something like. The the way you approach those characters and and people in the story, is gonna largely depend on how you view the world and how and how you. You know, I guess want to get something across, because um, a lot of times it could be kind of forgettable and empty, but sometimes it's necessary. Who knows? It all depends on what your story needs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing, it's interesting that you should mention that I have one script where the entire time I was like, I want to do this where nothing that ever happens isn't interesting in some way, shape, or form. And I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, there's some characters that need to be uninteresting because that's, they serve some role in your story that it they just need to be there, right? Um, but for this one, I was like, everything needs to be interesting to the point where there's... <laughs> this kind of like mini hostage hostage situation in a scene and I have the lead character of that scene have an interaction with just some random character it's kind of like passing the time waiting for the kidnappers to figure out what's going on and what they're going to do with their hostages right so I was like okay I wrote a version of the scene and it's they're talking and it's like yeah all this sucks what's going on all that I was like okay This is not very interesting and just for the sake of the sake, I'm going to delete it all and then try and write something that's out there and that I think would be funny and kind of stick with people. So I ended up writing this interaction where there is an entire room full of people. One of the, one of the people shits their pants. So the rest of the, like everyone obviously smells it. And this guy ends up approaching this pretty girl and trying to talk to her. But as he, he talks to her. He's like, yeah, you know, this really sucks. And they have that awkward initial phase, but then if he goes into this, I don't want to say speech, but forcing this interaction of if you do something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And she totally agrees. And they start bonding. And then she's like, well, what do you do? And he gets this creepy smile on his face and he says, I put down horses at the glue factory and obviously she gets really turned off by this, but he just doubles down on it, and you end up noticing he's a bit, like, mentally deranged, and he's like, but I make arts and crafts possible. Isn't that fantastic? And then she just, like, really awkwardly slinks away from him, and he realizes that he's kind of weird, so he gets depressed. And, like, it's very situational to that one script, and it has that kind of elevated nature to it so and it works within the context but anything other than that it wouldn't work in and that's where you got to keep in mind like the tone and everything but it's you know if you're having trouble with characters or something you can try interesting little experiments like that and as long as they fit within the tone of your movie then you might end up with something cool
1: yeah and that's that's like super specific to the story you're telling And I think that needs to be considered. Um, I mean, even like when you're thinking about like, you know, small character cameos or or like little moments in movies, I I immediately my mind thought of Patterson. Um, So good. Yeah, and we're following this, you know, main guy throughout his week doing his normal like routine but he encounters so many different people, and they're all small characters. Um, but we only, we only see, like, parts of these small characters, but we get, like, interesting interactions through all of them because of, um, I guess, like, how full those little moments are. Um, and I guess how, like, not generic they are they make those uh, little interactions with everyone he meets kind of um, the heart of the story, you know, about this guy who just observes like life in his uh, city, in his little town. Um, and that's kind of what the the movie is centered around. Um, so if you want an example of a movie that just does that constantly, I think Patterson would be a good one to watch.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like, i remember when i saw that i loved it so much i thought it should have been nominated for oscars that year um and i have one buddy who's really trusts my taste in movies so he ended up house sitting for me and uh the cats when i was away for christmas one year and i was like okay i have patterson on blu-ray watch that i think you'll really like it and he's like okay what happens like what's the story i was like it's about a guy he writes poetry and he drives a bus And nothing happens. It is the definition of nothing happens, which generally those kind of movies aren't really my jam, but this one I just loved. And looking back at it, I think one of the things that makes it work so well is even though Patterson, the main character, isn't a very emotional guy. In fact, I think you could argue that he really doesn't give off much emotion the entire time. He's very still-faced a lot, but since there's so much voiceover and we're so in his head, that when these little interactions with characters, even characters that you don't know that well, and you only get to see for, you know, 40 seconds, get a little glimpse into them, and even though he's so, for lack of a better term, emotionally stilted, you can tell that these interactions do mean a great deal to him, and they do imprint on him to such a degree that it matters to him, and I think that's what really helps make the script work. So I think if you have characters or character interactions and you're like, this is just coming off as bland, like, why isn't this working? One thing that might be useful to you is to say, like, does this matter to any of the characters in any way? Because if it doesn't, then maybe you can reevaluate if it is doing anything for your story and if you really need it. But yeah, when things really mean something to the characters, whether they show it or not that can really lend to it actually enhancing your story.
1: I mean, we both saw The King of Comedy recently, and even in that, like I, I think, like a character moment that I really liked was the receptionist in um, Jerry Langford's building. Uh,
0: I really like that too.
1: She's very kind of generic receptionist, like kind of superficially, like, "Oh, hi, welcome to the building." Um, and you see that when uh, the character, Rupert Bubkin shows up. Um, but then you gradually see her kind of, like, this guy is a little weird. She's still kind of trying to maintain that, like, nice receptionist, but at the same time is a little kind of freaked out by how eager he is. And every time you see her in the movie, you kind of get that. But there's a lot happening between her and Rupert. That tells you so much about Rupert, even if it doesn't necessarily tell you a whole lot about her. But either way, it's like an engaging and really fun moment every time they're talking to each other. You know, that's a to me that was a great example of how to do like a a small moment with a character that you don't really learn a lot about, but does have like a nice point to the story.
0: Pretty much every line is either revealing something about. Um, is it Rupert or Rupert? Rupert. It's Rupert, right? Yeah. Yeah, Rupert. It's either revealing something about Rupert or it's reinforcing it to the degree where we're kind of learning something about him anyways. So, like, even really the little lines of dialogue where he's like, uh, I'm waiting for this person. She says he's not in. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I'll wait. And then there's a bit of a awkward interaction. She's like, well, he's not going to be back for many hours. He's like, yeah, it's fine. I'll wait. And then you're like, wow, this guy's really fucking dedicated. You can see how polite he is, but it's all, it's really disingenuous and alarming. Mm-hmm. So even like these, that seemingly is a really small character moment of like, hey, you know, he's not going to be back to later. No, no, no problem. Like those words in itself seem very, very polite. But when you put it in the context of the King of Comedy and what's going on in that scene, it reveals something so much different. I don't want to say bigger, but different than what you would expect, and that's what I think makes that work.
1: Yeah, and, and that movie's full of little moments like that. So if you want to like look at the formulation of characters that is kind of interesting and, um, I guess, unorthodox, because a lot of the characters in the movie are really strange, um, that would be a great movie to look at.
0: Yeah. And that's another really good example of, I think the tone we're talking about as well too. Cause like when you, the second you're put into the shoes of this main guy, it's in a world that, you know, even though you and I didn't grow up in the eighties, we can kind of see that it is the same world, just, you know, dialed back a couple of years. Right. But then as soon as you're put into this guy's shoes, as much as it's still in the real world, it's in such a different world because this dude's mental space is so different than the huge. mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's it's not like um, grounded in a way that you would like, you know, like we were talking about those ideals in the beginning of the story. It's like, oh, he's like you know, our main guy, but he's flawed and all this stuff. It's like it completely throws all, all that out the window. Where, you know, you go into this film not really sure of what reality is sometimes. Um, and and the way that people view this character is kind of skewed. Whereas some people find him very uncomfortable and off-putting, and some other people just find him to be a little annoying. But that that's probably the extent of it um and then by the end of the movie your your view on this guy changes i think substantially from when it started
0: yeah no i totally agree and i think it's really interesting like bringing it right back around to the start of the episode where you're talking about how writers can sometimes say okay well what are the flaws to my character and they'll use that to kind of start carving away at the clay to make the shape of a character, right? And they'll say, you know, well, if he's totally perfect, he needs to have just a couple flaws and that'll make him a character. And that's kind of misguided thinking where in this circumstance, if you just said, okay, well, fuck that. What if we did the total opposite? This guy is entirely flaws, except for one thing. He's polite, you know, like then that becomes pretty interesting. And I think it's a lot for someone to bite off especially if they're a new writer just to say like completely fill up the script do someone that is only flawed in like this crazy way but then also keep it really grounded and not insane you know but just the if nothing else it could be a really useful mental exercise
1: yeah and also you know using different i guess outside the box thinking to kind of formulate your characters i mean you can just draw from real life like what's what's a personality trait or behavior that someone has it like annoys the hell out of you you know use that in a in a character or use it in you know your story somehow because it's something that you've actually experienced something that you can draw from um you know i i think like real experience often is a good place to look look at because like you're going to meet so many different people and everyone's going to have those moments of when they meet someone and they just know that they're uncomfortable or don't want to be around this person not inherently because they're evil but maybe just because they know their personalities are so far uh, from each other so i think that's another good way to try to formulate who a person is in a story
0: agreed Agreed. So I only have one last question that comes to mind, and I think it's a really interesting question. Have you ever had an idea for a character that you just have not been able to pull off? And if so, why?
1: Mm, No, I don't think so. Um, not, Not for a lack of like having... I guess not because like I'm some profil- prolific writer or something it's because I usually tend to write people that are not that outlandish. I think most of the characters I've written are somewhat <laughs> you know um, in like a scope of human nature like I've never tried to write something so like you know unorthodox or anything like that. Um so it's probably just because of the scope of where I tend to look Yeah, I mean, if you want a good idea of personality, I'm probably about as close. If you want like a very good approximation of what I'm like in real life, is probably the bus driver from Patterson.
0: (laughs) That's not a bad thing. He's awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, but, you know, it's a pretty like quiet and introspective person. And that's about as exciting as it gets
0: (laughs) not a bad thing do you have any parting nuggets of wisdom before we wrap up the episode
1: try anything try whatever you think will work but just don't follow like a standard archetype um and if you do then dissect it and and make it like different you know start to remove and add things that you think would make it better um and that, that just has to do with judgment you know, for early writers, it will be difficult. But you know, you can you can use fucking Myers Briggs and and follow one of those to make your character like this, and then start like changing behaviors that you wouldn't expect, and and just try to make sure it makes sense. I think like if you aren't a good judge of like what behaviors would make sense, then you probably aren't good at. Um, writing people which is a huge problem because all our films are all about people (laughs) unless you want to tell a story where the main characters are like bugs or something
0: but even then it's kind of about people
1: yeah i mean we we you know we anthropomorphize everything um from like hot dogs to fucking insects but (laughs) yeah i mean you just have to kind of be observant
0: until next time, this has been FilmCraft, and I am Matt Ralston. I'm a thief, and I'm gonna go feed my cats now because they're bugging the crap out of me, and I can tell they're really hungry.